my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. As for man... His days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Thanks, Betty. How good is that psalm? It's amazing, isn't it? Uh, if that had been uh, written today, it would be on your iPod and you'd have it on a continual loop around so that you could hear it all the time. Uh, it's a great psalm because it's a psalm that David writes, we think probably at a time when he's actually feeling a bit down. Uh, if you look at the verses 1 to 2, he says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. It's almost like he's telling himself, David, come on, praise God. Uh, or bless God is another word that uh, could be used for praise. He's saying, come on, David, get up, get out there and say how good God is. Uh, I think we're all a bit like that sometimes, aren't we? I don't know about you, but I don't wake up every day bounding out of the bed, jumping up there, ready to go, how great is God? Uh, there's some days I do that. There's some days I don't really want to get out of bed. There's some days I just think, oh, strike, another day. But there's other days you think, yeah, I want to do, I want to get out there, I want to go. Uh, and this is a day when David's in bed thinking, man, I'm not sure whether I want to get up today. And so what he's done to himself is he's saying to himself, he's trying to get himself motivated to get out and praise God and to say how great God is. Uh, that's good, isn't it, when you read stuff like that because you get to work out that uh, some of the writers of the Bible, they weren't all the amazing hyped up Christians that we think they might have been. They were struggled with things. 
David struggled with his emotions. He struggled with daily life. He struggled with being the king of Israel. He struggled with sin. He struggled with getting out of bed sometimes in the morning. Uh, But what David shows us in Psalm 103 is that there's a great way to be motivated. Uh, And a great way to be motivated is to remind ourselves of who God is, what he's done and what his character's like. To remember what God has done, his actions, and to remember what his character is like. Because that's what David does in this psalm. He says to himself, praise the Lord on my side, praise him with everything what I have him. He says, get up there, get out there and do it, because you need to remember, David, how much God has done for you. That's what he says, doesn't he? He says, and forget not all his benefits. He says, don't forget, David, just how much God has done for you. And then he goes and lists a number of them for us, doesn't he? And these are the actions of God. He says, don't forget the actions of God. And see what he says there? He says, who forgives all your sins. Now, you notice that he didn't say, who just forgives your really bad stuff or just forgives just the things, the small stuff. He says, forgives all your sins, everything that you've done wrong. From just that little thought to that time when you've acted out on that and hurt someone. From just that small word that you've spoken to someone that hasn't been helpful, that hasn't been loving, to that time when you've deliberately tried to hurt somebody. From that small thing when maybe you've sped down the road to the big thing when you've literally gone and you've stolen something or you've ripped somebody off. All your sins have been forgiven. How good is that? Every one of them. They've all been forgiven. Now, David didn't even know about Jesus, but we know about Jesus. We know that in God's justice, that he can forgive us because Jesus has taken the punishment for us. That's what we just celebrated last week, didn't we? The Easter story. Good Friday, Easter Sunday, is all about how God places his sin on Jesus so that we don't have to take it, so that we can be forgiven of every sin. All of it. The whole lot. God forgives the whole lot. And I think sometimes we forget just how huge that is because I think often we don't think that we're that bad. We don't think that we sin that much, really. Oh, you know, I'm not as bad as the murderer down the road. I'm not as bad as the rapist over there. I'm not as bad as the guys in North Korea. We put it down, don't we? We limit. We put, say, well, sin's not that bad, really. But every sin is bad. Every sin causes a disruption between you and I and, you and between us and God. It breaks relationships and every one of them is painful and every one of them is taken by Jesus on the cross for us. He forgives all our sins and heals your diseases. Now this could be both physical and spiritual but we know that God is the great healer and he can heal people and he can heal our diseases. He can heal them now but he'll ultimately heal them in eternity. In his will, in his design, here and now, he can take away cancer. He can take away uh, our diseases. He can cure our shingles. But sometimes he doesn't here either. We don't know that's part of his plan, but he will ultimately cure all our diseases in eternity. And we can trust in that. Who redeems your life from the pit. Uh, Redeems. He actually, he puts something up for us. He redeems us. Uh, these days you often have uh, programs, don't you? See, there's uh, uh, vouchers you get. 
Uh, if you have a Coke, you can get a voucher off your Coke, you can take it up and you can redeem uh, your prize from the store. I used to love the Mars bars when you get a free Mars bar in there and you open it up, ah, not there. You open it up, oh, I get a free Mars bar. Woohoo! You go off and you pan it in and you get another one. You redeem your prize. Well, God redeems our lives. And he redeems our lives and our voucher is Jesus. And when we hand Jesus in, he gives us life forever. Now and for eternity. He takes us from the pit. He takes us from a life of not knowing God, a life of purposelessness, a life of living completely without God in our lives, just trundling along, not knowing what it's all about. He redeems us from that life and gives us life to the full in Jesus. How good is God? And then he crowns us with love. Our crown is a picture of designating who we are and what we're like. He crowns you and I with love. We are to be people who are characterised by love. That is our crown of love. That we are to live lives that show that we love one another and that we love God. That is the way that we are to be pictured. That is what we are to look like. When people say who you are, if they give a picture of you, they should say that that person is a loving person. That's the first thing they should say about us. Not whether we've got a nice car or a nice house or a good career or we've had a nice holiday or got lovely hair or we wear nice clothes. But that person is loving. That is the thing that stands out to me about them. That is what is to stand out about people, about us. Because we've been crowned with love. We are to live a life of love. Who satisfies your desires with good things. Uh, the old Mick Jagger song, isn't it? Can't get no satisfaction. They had everything. Money, fame, fortune, love. Well, maybe not love, but sex, drugs, rock and roll. The whole gamut of it, but yet still found no satisfaction. And that is the picture of life, isn't it? That is the picture of this world. That is the theme of this world. Can't get no satisfaction going, I'm going to try this. Can't get no satisfaction going, I'm going to try that. We try all these different things out there to try and find that satisfaction, but there is no satisfaction unless we find it in God and in Jesus. That's where we find it. That's where it is. Because that's what we were designed to be. We're designed to be people who find our satisfaction completely in God. Uh, John Piper is a guy who some of you might have read about or uh, watched and stuff. He says that the chief end of us is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. As we enjoy God, then we find satisfaction because that brings glory to God, which is what we're all about. As we enjoy God, then God is glorified and that's what life is about. If we don't find our joy in God, then we're not going to be satisfied. But he gives that to us in Jesus. That your youth may be renewed on wings like eagles. I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more amazed I am at the energy of youth. Uh, you walk around and you see the kids and they're just off and they're buzzing, they're all over the place. They're and you think, man, if I had that type of energy, how good would it be to be like that? And in a sense, that's what David is saying, is that you will be renewed when you find your satisfaction in God. When you reflect on his actions and what he has done for you, then he will renew your youth, he will renew your excitement, he will renew your joy. 
that he'll excite you for himself. And that he does that, as we find out later in Scripture, through his spirit that he gives within us, that enables us to live that life of youth, of enjoyment and excitement for God. It doesn't mean that we need to be running around with boundless energy all the time, but we have that youthful excitement for God again. See what David's doing? Uh, David's geeing himself up. He says, I want to praise God. Please, I want to bless him. I want a life that blesses him. How do I have a life that blesses him? David says, I need to remind myself of what God has done, his actions. But not only do I remind myself of God's actions, but I need to remind myself of God's character. And if you look at verses 6 through to uh, 16, 17, it is just a continual litany of all of God's character, of just how amazing he is. Look, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all. He's a righteous God. He's a just God. He made his ways known to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. These are great words, aren't they? The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will, always, he will not always accuse, nor will he harbour his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Compassionate, loving, merciful, just, gracious, who doesn't give us what we deserve, but takes us and makes us his own. That is God's character. How wonderful is he? A guy by the name of Matt Gordon, some of you may know him. He does quiz works, uh, the puppets. They've been up here uh, in the past. They're going to be coming up hopefully in September as well this year. Uh, he told me a story um, of, uh, of a lady who was in Vietnam, of a missionary who met this lady while she was there. She was a bit older by the time that she met her. But this lady had gone through the whole uh, Khmer Rouge period of time uh, and he tells a story about this, this lady, that the missionary met this lady and got to know her, and this lady eventually told the missionary her story. And the story was this, was one day the Khmer Rouge came into their village and were going around and killing all these people, and uh, a lot of it were child soldiers. They were like 10, 11-year-olds who were going around killing all these people. And this lady uh, ran out of the village and had her child in her arms, her only child that she had. And she came running out of the village. She ran into, basically, these child soldiers. There was a number of them there. And this lady uh, just begged that they would leave her and her child alone. Well, the child soldier, the one that was in the lead at the time, grabbed her baby and beheaded her in front of the lady. Five years later, this lady, uh, the Khmer Rouge, had been overthrown at that point in time and uh, she was in a town and she was in a shopping square and she was walking down to get her shopping. There was a, about a 15-year-old boy begging on the side of the road and she recognised that this boy was the one that beheaded her child. And what she did was she went over and she explained that to the boy and grabbed his hand and said, now you're going to be my son. I'm going to be your mother and you're going to be my son. You took my son, but now you're going to be mine and I'm going to love you like the son that you took. How amazing is that? 
But that's what God has done for us. We've kicked sand in his face. We've told him we don't want to be with him. We have, in a sense, through our sin, have crucified his son. But in his loving act for us, he says, I'm going to take you and make you mine. I'm gracious. I'm compassionate. I'm abounding in love. That is who I am. And that is why I bring you to be my child, be part of my family. That is the character of our God. It's amazing, isn't it? We don't deserve it, but yet he calls us his own and makes us his children. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows who are formed, he remembers that they are dust. As a man, his days are like grass, he flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it's gone and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children and their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. He brings us into his family and his love goes throughout from generation to generation. David wanted to pump himself up, didn't he? And he says, I'm going to be reminded of God's actions. I'm going to be reminded of God's character. I'm reminded that I don't deserve it, but God makes me his own. And at the end of it, he says, well, I'm going to praise God, and so should every aspect of the world Praise God. Look what he says in the last couple of verses uh, from verse 19 onwards. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you angels, your mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, O my soul. See, look at what God's done. Look at his character. Everyone, everywhere should be praising the Lord. I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. The next time we actually have a clear night, which may be in the next century, uh, but the next time we actually have a clear night, walk outside, find a spot where there aren't lights around and look up into the sky, into God's creation and hear it sing. It sings God's praises. And then add your voice to it. Maybe not howling like a wolf, but add your voice to it. Sing out God's praises. Now that might sound strange in the backyard, but imagine if we all did that one night. There's all these people around heaven's head singing out, how good you are, God. There'd be people everywhere thinking, man, what's going on? But they may just think, maybe this God is worth praising. How good would it be to add our voice to creation's voice, to the whole world's voice that sing praises to our God? Can I encourage you the next time you're feeling like you're unsure about whether you want to get out of bed, the next time you're feeling a bit unsure about whether you really want to praise God and whether that's all what it's on about, do what David did. Take some time out and remember God's actions. Take some time out and remember God's character. Take some time out and praise God with everything that you are. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we want to ask for forgiveness, Lord, for the times that we haven't 
shouted out how good you are, that we haven't gone out to say how wonderful you are, Lord. Uh, forgive us, Lord, when we haven't been on edge to do that and pumped up to do that. But, Lord, we want to thank you and praise you that as we think about the actions that you have done for us, especially in your Son, Jesus, and your character of justice, mercy, grace, compassion, your love abounds forever. As we think about those, Lord, that we want to praise you. Lord, we pray that your Spirit will do a mighty work within us, uh, enthuse us, Lord, encourage us, uplift us, to give us the enthusiasm of our youth to want to praise your name in every aspect of our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.